Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, we're going to talk about insight creation in kickstarting our organization to become data-centric. Uh, welcome, Sarah. This is our fifth session that we're talking about data-centric organizations. And today, insight creation, we're going to talk about tools. We're going to talk about data analytic tools. And also, we're going to understand a little bit more what machine learning really is and what it really isn't. So we'll try to de debunk some myths around machine learning. So before we start debunking, let's, let's go back a little bit. Last time we talked about the data pipeline. We yes. talked about ingest, analyze, prepare. oh, prepare, thank you. See, I'm still learning. I'm still an <laughs> IT guy. Ingest, prepare, analyze, and act. Yeah. But we didn't tell you how to do any of that stuff. Today, we get to actually get our hands dirty a little bit and learn about the tools that we plug into that pipeline. So, all right, teach me. I'm, I'm teachable today. Okay, so let's let's start thinking about you know what we are going to do with our data, and you know what I mean is you always have to think about the end in mind. And a lot in the last um, video we talked about you know you know a simple question about how many widgets you know we will need to manufacture, and we kind of broke that down into a few different um, parts. You know, customer demand the current supply, and then also yield loss. So we broke that into a simple formula, but then we started asking kind of where, you know, where does this data come from? How do we put this together so that we can estimate the amount of widgets we have? Um, and we looked at the complexity about that. So, you know, part of the whole concept of, you know, the data pipeline is how do we need to take that data from the raw, um, the raw form and convert that into insights. So a lot of the time, what you hear about 80% or 90% of a data scientist's work is actually going through the prepare stage. So they're looking at, you know, where's this data coming from? How do I store it? How do I need to get it to a point where I can combine that data? How do I need to combine it? And, you know, how do I need to transform it so that I can put it into an algorithm um, and figure out what to do with that information so that I can be able to get some kind of um, be able to estimate or, you know, glean the pattern recognitions that are on that that I can say, hey, this keeps on happening and I can make some kind of predictions. Um, there's a lot of work that has to go on on that. So you have to start thinking about, okay, what tools am I going to be using in order for me to um, be able to get those insights? And when you look, you know, we think about, hey, I'm going to apply AI or machine learning. Um, it's not really AI as a one algorithm or machine learning as one algorithm. It is really a bunch of tools in a toolbox that data scientists can pull out and say, okay, I think this is the best tool to be able to, you know, deal with this. Or I'm going to try a whole bunch of different tools and figuring out 
if this is going to solve my problem. Does it actually recognize patterns that I need to, you know, be able to um, understand and turn that into some kind of insights? So, um, you know, my neophyte way of thinking of AI was that I just create a neural network and I train it and it just solves my problems for me. And I know I'm not alone in thinking that. So it right. sounds like it's a lot more complex than, than what, you know, me as a software engineer thought. I thought, hey, that's just an algorithm, who, you know, no big deal. But it sounds like it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that. An algorithm is not going to tell you how many uh, widgets are going to be, be, able to, um, be able to manufacture. An algorithm, one algorithm is not going to be able to even be able to break down and say, hey, um, I have this many requests from customers coming in. I already have this supply and I have this yield. That actually is going to, what I'm going to be showing to you today is that it's really a blend of workloads that are targeted to be able to support those questions and being able to figure out where are the different sources that can help us give better clarity on what could be happening. Um, so, you know, you have to look at it, data analytics, you know, there's so many different ways you can break this up and it's really hard to because they're very much overlapping. And if you can see the pedal that I have, it, this kind of gives, is, this is uh, something that a colleague and I um, created um, here at Intel, just to give an idea of the complexity of the tools in the, in the data scientist toolbox. And just to let you know, not everyone's experts in everything. Like I, there's a few of these I couldn't even explain because I don't have a background in. So this also kind of reiterates that, you know, data science is a team sport people have different um, specialties. Like my background is statistics. So designs experiments, reliability and machine learning are, and, and, and simulations, I have backgrounds in. I can talk about that um, and maybe a little bit optimization. Some of these other areas I haven't had exposure to and I have worked with other colleagues who are experts in that. So, you, you know, um, so, so it's very much like in an IT organization, right? You've got network engineers. You don't take your network engineer and drop them on a storage architecture or a compute architecture, or you don't take a systems engineer and tell them to, to program a web interface. There's different disciplines, different tools. I get it. That makes sense yeah. to me. So you really want to be able to look, you know, you need to have somebody who's can, can help you, you know, think about what questions you want to have. This is really going back to the business value and being able to break this down and figuring out what are the, you know, the backgrounds that you need to be able to solve this. So it's a, it, this is one of the big complexities um, around analytics is, you know, they, and they say talent. Well, you know, if you go hire a deep learning engineer um, that, you know, specializes around image recognition, they're not going to necessarily be able to solve your yield analysis. They might be able to detect, you know, put something, a system together to be able to detect defects, but, no, you know, which could be a value to know if you have a defect or not but that doesn't solve the problem of your yield loss. 
it answers one question in the multitude of questions you could be asking in that manufacturing line. In your pedal diagram, you show all these tools and different flavors and things. How, how do I know what to use? I mean, you got to help me out here. Yeah. So, you know, don't, don't worry about um, so much that, oh, which tool? This is where, why you hire a data scientist. They're going to work with the main experts to understand, you know, what information is out there, how reliable the data might be, or how to interpret the, it's probably more like interpret the data so you can figure out how reliable the data is. So, you know, let's go back to our, you know, our analysis, our, um, our problem with how many widgets um, to manufacture. And let me break it down into kind of some way, some, some type of um, analytics that you would use. And I'm not saying that this is the way, it really comes down to how you ask the question, what type of data you're having and what you're, you're trying to do with that data. So this is, I'm not saying that this is the methods to be used. You're, you might find out you need to use totally different methods because of the type of data and the dynamics of, of what you're trying to But, but this um, would make, give me a good starting point, right? I could say, all right. It's a great right. starting point. I just all right, let's give start there and thing. see what happens. I got yeah. it. All right. Okay. So, you know, what, you know, you start with the questions and then you're going to start go through what I call the analytic maturity development, which is really basically, you're going to look at, okay, what kind of patterns are there? So you're going to go through some descriptive, understand what has happened in the past. You're, you're, you're focusing on the past just to understand kind of what patterns. So you're going to try to figure out, okay, like from a customer, um, customer request, you might want to start looking at some time series data just to be able to see kind of when things go up and when things, you know, the request for um, widgets go down. How stable is that over time? How well are you going to be able to forecast that in the future? You might also be doing some machine learning around here to kind of look at maybe different segments and understand, you know, to break out some of these time series. Maybe you have one segment of customers who, you know, request things end of the month versus others that are beginning of the month. That might help provide um, some ideas of segmentation and so forth. Um, you might also want to do some text analysis. I have text analysis on a couple of, of, of these um, where you're going to be going and get different um, information. You might be, you know, if it's a widget that people might Twitter about, you might want to go and figure out you know, what people are talking about that. Did somebody, did all of a sudden the number of shares, sharing or likes um, occur much more that somebody who is an influencer, you know, is influencing for people to, you know, buy these widgets. Um, so these could be some data sources. There, these are some techniques that you might be wanting to include in here in this to be able to estimate customer requests. Um, likewise, you could do something very similar with um, current, you know, the current supply, you know, look at how stable the, the current supply is. 
um, how much, how well do you understand the system dynamics of being able to go out? So there, you might have customer requests, but you might also have a supply going on and you need to understand kind of how does that, your current supply get absorbed into the market on that. So there might be some system dynamics that you might need to go and be able to understand. This is something, again, a machine would never be able to do. This is a human has to go in and figure out and understand and, and kind of program or incorporate this knowledge into the way that you do your analytics. Uh, is, and that can only be done by a human, not necessarily from a, you know, a machine or an algorithm. There, likewise, there might be some other types of machine learning patterns that you want to get out um, that give you some ideas of, of some insights. So you might do some unsupervised um, learning around here. Unsupervised learning is really looking at are there different categories or uh, segments out there that you're not aware of that behave totally different from each other. And then you can start looking at those and try to figure out, okay, what is happening in this and how can I, you're, you're basically breaking up um, your, uh, into these categories and looking at the behaviors around that and trying to figure out how can I exploit this so that I understand or I can track better, you get the better resolution of what might be happening with these groups. Okay, so this, this is starting to make a lot more sense to me now. Depending on where my data is coming from and depending on what I'm looking at in that data, I'm going to use a different tool. Yes. Understanding what, that, what the benefits are of each tool is, is, is the key. For example, I'm not going to use time series analysis to find um, pattern, to find yield loss by looking at images. It just doesn't make sense. Right. I'm going to use more of a neural network. I'm going to use machine learning to do some something like that, real pattern recognition that way. Right. So th this is starting to make sense. There's a big toolbox out there. Uh, so let, let's keep, let's talk about yield loss because this is where I think a lot of, this is the hard part, right? For a lot of people. This is the hard part. And this, this is the, I mean, depending how, how complex your manufacturing is and, you know, I've worked in, you know, automotive, food and semiconductors and you know some of them are you know less complex than others um, semiconductor being probably being the most com complex um all kind of manufacturing is complex some more complex than others and you're really it's really understanding um you know, where the variation is coming from. The more variation in your manufacturing line, the more waste that can be occurring. So a lot of the machine learning is really trying to, just like I said, in the current supply, you know, you're looking at segmentations, you know, are there, you know, days, you know, certain behaviors of yield that occur, uh, what are they? So you might have, you know, again, clusters, of different types of yields, like, and then being able to figure out, you know, how do you quantify that, that, and how do you predict the, that? And you could be using um, unsupervised, that's the, um, being able to cluster, or be able to, you know, learn how to predict um, um, yield issues um, based on behaviors or features that are occurring within, within the, 
manufacturing line. Okay, so one of the things that you, you, we do a lot within manufacturing is designs of experiments. So we understand what, you know, one, you know, what are the factors that can cause, that can, one, optimize, you know, um, the overall yield or minimize the yield loss. So you might go through and just look at, you know, here's machine A and machine B, and you know that if they're not um, optimized to perform together in the right way, you might go in and just say, hey, if I and do this uh, design experiment and play around with the whole bunch of levers um, or knobs on there um, in a systematic way, and then look at what happens to the yield. Um, you're doing a design of experiments that basically shows you what exactly is the right knob combinations um, to be able to set. And then you can put together, you know, some rules or um, process control around that so that these knobs don't start doing drifts. Okay. Um, so that's the power of designs of experiments is really to start looking at, you know, you know, what, is a really great way to be able to estimate causa causation um, on here. Now, sometimes you can't necessarily do that. There's other techniques that you can do to try to fit, you know, other kind of designs of experiments that can be, you can't change all the knobs. Um, there's other ways around to be able to do that. Talk to a data scientist. Another um, op opportunity to, or another analysis is reliability, or it can also be called survivability, um, depending on which way you're looking at it. For example, in manufacturing, you have tools that are constantly being used and they might need predictive maintenance. So over time, they start degrading their performance. So there's a reliability in a couple ways. One, to be able to predict when a machine needs to be maintained um, so that the yield doesn't necessarily, it doesn't contribute to yield loss. Um, text analysis is another thing that, you know, a lot of manufacturing is starting to get into. Not so much that, hey, the witch is going to start, you know, doing Twitter or anything, but, um, you know, if you have and this goes along with predictive anal uh, uh, predictive maintenance. If your technicians are writing up what they're seeing, how they resolve the problem, and you have multiple uh, multiple uh, technicians, not only over different shifts but maybe even over time, you you can start having a collective knowledge base from this text uh, analytics where you can go back and figure out what was the best way to approach different um, issues or how to correct issues um, in productive ma maintenance. Uh, a you know, some of the things that you could also do is um, deep learning, deep learning around image recognition, you know, being able, instead of having a, 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 a human, bunch of right? quality, yeah. What was that? Humans. A human, yeah. I, it reminds yeah, me of human. the I Love Lucy episode, right? Right. We all know right. that episode where she's picking chocolate off of the, the conveyor belt. <laughs> We're replacing her with 
some deep learning, right, where they can detect uh, uh, flaws, errors um, during flaws, the- right. Um, being able to detect and maybe even being able to categorize the type of of um, defects that you have. You can take that and tie it back to maybe some text analysis, you know, from some experts or and so forth that, you know, maybe, or even with your, you know, machine learning that, that help, you know, identify where the problems might be coming. So if you categorize a defect and you know that this defect is coming, you've seen this type of defect when, you know, machine A has been having a problem along with a couple other, you know, phenomenals, phenomenas that are happening within your manufacturing line, this is a great way to be able to go back and um, be able to, you know, troubleshoot this. Thanks for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you liked our episode, go ahead and give us five stars on your favorite podcast or video streaming site. You can also find out more on EmbracingDigital.com. Until next time, keep moving forward and embrace the digital revolution.